Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Good morning, Mateo. How are you? Uh, brother, I am, uh, I am standing. So I'm doing well. Uh, I'm That's doing, good. I'm grateful uh, to be here. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's a, a new week and a lot, a lot of prep. We got a, a big event we're we're throwing next week um, it, with a lot of our friends in the space. Um, and actually, one of our guests I, today that is we're going to be seeing there. Um, so that, that I'm excited for that. Um, but it's just been oh, man, busy work, yeah. lots and lots of busy work. It's uh, it's interesting looking at the market right now and how, like. Like in, in being in sales and like having like how hard, like you always have to work hard, right? Like working hard is, is part of the deal, but it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a year. It's, 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 it's got a little bit different feel to it. You know, um, you're, you're, you're scratching for what you, what you can get, but, uh, I mean, let's be clear, like you're in a competitive space too. Like, I mean, you look at like both of the areas in which we work in like investment right now. Right. And, you know, you're you're building into that space. It makes sense, but it's also not the space it was a year or two ago. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And then being being in the software side, someone to to change software when the, uh, the market is, who knows? I mean, that is, but no, I think it's a hell of a job, man. So. That's off to you. Season four, episode 13. We have an amazing guest. I've known this guest forever. She's always been one to jump in with both feet with some of my crazy ideas. Yeah. And I absolutely love her for that. Um, known her like almost as long as I've known you. The one, the only, Miss Brittany Blackman of Breathe Easy Rentals. Thanks for joining us, Brittany. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Thank you. Excited to be here. We're we're stoked to have you on. It's it's been a long time coming, and we're talking before we started the recording. It's just what what, what I love about you and people like you is you wear your emotions on your sleeve. You're not afraid to 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 put yourself out there and tell it how it is. And and you know, so we definitely want to get into that. But how the hell did you get into the space? Like we we always kind of start here. Like you know, you live in one of you know, you live and work in, in a vacation rental Mecca, you know, right. quite possibly, you know, top two, three destinations, especially drive to de- number one next to Gatlinburg drive to destinations in the, you know, U S for sure. Like, did you always, did you grow up and you're like, you know, what, mom, dad, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in vacation rentals. Or, I mean, how did you get into it? Um, yeah. So I am originally from North Georgia. And I had actually come to Destin, Florida on spring break when I was in high school. And really long story short, um, met someone. We lived uh, in the same town. So after spring break, we moved back um, to, you know, not moved back, but went back to North Georgia. And then anyways, we decided we wanted to move somewhere. We agreed on Destin, Florida. So a year or so later, after I graduated high school, uh, we moved down to Destin. And uh, I, at that time, had no idea what a vacation rental was. i never heard of it. I knew that, you know, Destin was very tourism-based, uh, but that was literally about the extent of my knowledge. And I uh, started working on the harbor, doing direct sales, all these different things. I wasn't in love with that. Uh, wasn't in love with the unsteady paycheck either. And so um, that's when I first found uh, the industry and it was for a reservations position. And so it was very basic entry level. And I was like, okay, let's go see what this is about. Um, it seemed cool because it wasn't like a hotel. Um, a hotel kind of reminds me of a bank, you know, like you're like stuck in this area and you can't get out behind this desk. Uh, so I didn't really find that appealing, but this weird vacation rental industry, um, you know, I don't know, it seemed like the good little spot to hop in. And then that was probably going on 12, um, nearing 13 years ago at this point. Yeah. So was your for, your first like entrance into, was it with Gibson? Was it there? Did you go to Gibson, you know, beach rentals and were you there for like, I see, you know, you were there for you know, almost nine, you were there nine years. 
Yes, yes. So that's where I started uh, in reservations. And then um, very quickly after I started, the operations manager left. And so the owners of the business and I and a few employees were kind of left scrambling, trying to figure everything out. Um, and then shortly after that, a few months later, uh, the owners wound up moving to Alabama and pretty much said, hey, Brittany, you got this. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, sure, no problem. Um, and so that's when I was, you know, was ops manager then, for like you said, it was, it was about nine years that I was there total before I left. That's insane to me. Yeah. Like it's insane here. Talk about trial by fire. I mean, because it's a, I mean, that company, you had what, over, over 100, 150, 200, like, I, I don't know exact number, like, it wasn't a small property management company at, at you know, especially at that time, it, I think it was bigger back then than it is today. Um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. And, and, you know, the, it's just interesting, the amount, you know, hey, you're a reservationist. Now, now you're the ops manager, you know, and you're going to see a lot of things that are, you know, I think obviously you are today where you are today because who you are as a person, but also the, you know, these things that you learned on the ground floor of, of running a large property management company in one of the busiest vacation rental destinations in the world. Like, like that must've been insane. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think I would compare it to a stink or slim. Uh, feeling, you know, like you either have to get it figured out and keep moving forward or you're going to sink. Uh, and I always say that this industry and being in it teaches you things that a book will never be able to teach you. There's some great educational books out there, things that have definitely helped me. Um, but I just, I, I could not even write a book about what I do and it encompasses everything that I see, hear and feel every single day. And it's all, we always see something new. Um, and so that's, that's the cool part of it, you know, is, is back way when, you know, we were left, we were left to kind of fill that void when that ops manager left. So we had to figure out the processes. Um, this is back when technology did not exist. We had paper service orders and, you know, printed out our reservation reports for the day. And that was like really big stuff. Um, and so over, you know, the past 12, 13 years, obviously technology has really aided in that. And then I am very thankful for my past because when I did start the business, having to go back through what our um, SOPs and different procedures and reasons and how we do things and using the newer technology to help with that, like it all comes into play. Um, and for me, the success that I'm at now, because if I would have had this history, I can't imagine just jumping into this industry right now, not having experience. I don't even know how to tell people to start. Well, I th it, that's such an interesting question. I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's an interesting story, interesting perspective too, because you have so you actually jumped in the industry at a time that was kind of pre this tech growth, right? And like pre, you know, focusing on bringing you know, operations and operational efficiency through technology, right? Into a, a demographic that wasn't widely embracing it, right? Like, and wasn't widely looking for it. And, you know, I always say, you know, kind of just impairing what you said, like theory and application are two different things. You can read a book all day long, but unless you've been need, and John knows this, like even coming from the vendor side and being a manager, like it's completely different. And I say this all the time until you've had your elbows deep in it, like you just don't get it. And so I guess my question to you is like through your experience and on this journey, do you feel like the tech side of our industry is listening to you? Do you feel like, you know, you're now with your experience able to kind of give them feedback into the tools that would kind of better, you know, um, you know, managers and yourself, of course, included. Do you feel like your, your voice is being heard in that conversation? Absolutely. You know, I think at the beginning when technology really started coming out in the industry, nobody knew what to do. Nobody knew what we needed help with. So it was like a lot of these just random things that got pushed out. And obviously a lot of that gets weeded out over time. Um, and, you know, some of the best vendors that we utilize, you know, they've got a lot on their plate. Y'all have to figure out, you know, how do you how do you appeal to small property managers and how do you appeal to large property managers? And that's actually been an interesting thing since I've started my business. Um, you know, when I was at Gibson, um, 
when I started way back when, we probably had about 40, 45. We grew it to about 115 when I left. Um, obviously, I started from scratch. Uh, I'm at 25 now. So mm -hmm. it's been really interesting because my needs from the technology I was using versus now as a smaller company is different. And so I've had to go back to these same vendors that I've worked with for years and go, okay, well, I needed all that at Gibson and y'all built it and it was great. But now I have 25 properties and now these are my needs. I don't have a big you know, cash flow budget like we had at that for an existing company that was in operation for years. And, um, you know, these are the different little, you know, tweaks that I need because I don't have a team that can do all these things. It's me and technology. Um, so the conversation has definitely changed from my side. And again, you know, the the tech, um, the tech guys out there and ladies um, definitely listen a lot more. And I feel like if you don't get that feedback, then you don't survive in this space. We're a relationship industry for sure 100 percent, yeah. love it let's let's talk about let's talk about that transition to, to from gibson to to breathe easy so you've been with breathe breathe easy now for almost three years and congratulations and because i remember talking to you you know early on you're like oh i got seven and i'm i'm stressing out i got seven properties i don't think i'm gonna go more than 15 so i'm actually pretty surprised that you're at 25 i love hey, it can we say I know 25 it, is nothing to shake a stick at like no that. no <laughs> i know i know i know but i remember when she said it was seven she was like oh man yeah. I, I can't do this and but let's talk like what was the catalyst and i know there's lots of things like what was it where you finally said fuck it i'm done I can do this. I'm going out on my own. Like, I know that, you know, obviously there was tumultuous things going on between whatever that doesn't necessarily matter, but there was a reason why you finally said, fuck it. I'm going to start my own thing. Like, can you kind of go back to that and, and then talk about like, I don't want to necessarily the anxiety because I, I, I bet there's anxiety, but there's a lot of uh, like positive, like, you know, this like entrepreneurial juices. You're like, I could do this. Like I've been doing this for someone else. Why can't I do this on my own? Can you kind of talk about that transition a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's absolutely a roller coaster. Um, that, that is a fact. So there's highs and lows. Um, I will have to credit the whole entrepreneurial spirit to, uh, my parents. That's just the household we were raised in. We always gave 200%. Uh, we were raised that we owned everything that we did to its fullest. And my parents had their own businesses and different things like that. So um, that just was ingrained um, to me at a very young age. And um, so with that, it had been a goal for many years while I was working there um, to buy the business. And, um, you know, where the, the pivot point actually happened was honestly during COVID. Um, I think we had canceled probably about 700 reservations when our governor shut us down in Florida and it was hard like we have to deal with people and emotions on a daily basis and then you add all those layers of all of that that was going on and it was hard like uh, my anxiety was out the roof having panic attacks and um I just I remember like not TMI, but you said this was unfiltered. Uh, I remember one day going into the bathroom and I was just sitting on the toilet, just falling for like no reason, like nothing had just happened. And my husband goes in there and he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, like hyperventilating. And he's like, what is wrong with you? And I was just like, I just can't do this anymore. And like, that was like, that time frame was where it just changed for me of like, what am I doing? Because I don't have anything to show for this tomorrow. I, I don't have anything. I have my name and that's it. I don't have a business. I don't have, I don't have any of this. And that's just when it really hit home to me of going back to a goal that I had set in my mind years ago that I wanted to own a company. Um, and so that was it, you know, and I, I tried it one last time going back to the owners. Uh, we could not make things meet. They were not ready to sell, which was fine, but I was ready. I'd hit that point. I needed just something to be able to say that this was mine and whether it failed or whether it did awesome. It didn't matter to me. I just wanted something to call mine. Um, and so that's when, you know, tried it again. That didn't work. Turned my notice in. Um, and that's when it was like, okay, well, 
now you really got to do it. Right. <laughs> like, you, you talk this big talk, Brittany. Um, now you have to get out there and actually do it. And, uh, you know, it was cool. I, I knew several people in the industry. Um, a lot of people had helped me with advice, suggestions, connecting me with other people. Uh, so that was all very helpful. But I will say to the other advantage of that was that I had all these cheerleaders behind me and I could not let everybody else down. I couldn't go out on and start all this and then go back to all these people that I knew in the industry and be like, well, actually, no, I just, I was just tired. I, you know, I was just so afraid of failure. Um, I just didn't even try. Like, I can't do that. And let's talk about that for a second. That's a real thing. Like, that's a real thing. Like, like, you know, in, and I love that again, wearing, wearing it on your sleeve. Like, like we'll put ourselves out there and I'll put myself out there and I'll get, I'll be halfway through it. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why did I, like, why did I dive in so deep in this? And then, but then you can't give up. You just got to keep pushing through because if you give up, like a you're letting yourself down but you're then you're and then it's whatever like even if you're just looking at it from like an optics standpoint like i'm involved in all these different things if i just fail on this what does that say about me and what does it say about future me man that's a real thing and that's a hard thing to battle like personally sometimes too be like man like i didn't really didn't want to dive in this deep into what i'm doing but but i'm in it i guess i'm gonna keep going because i don't have any other options which is which kind of sucks sometimes to say you don't have any other options because if people were true and they're your, your people, then, but at the same time, I totally get it. It's a real thing. What's up? And just tell you, you're going to say something. I want to, I want to say, but the mindset is like, the reality is you got to untangle that conversation out of your mind, man. Like it's cause it can it, keep it in a healthy space, man. Cause that can take you places. You don't need to be, you will be hundred percent. Okay, right. Like at the end of the day, like, and that's the part, like, and you know, we've been there and it's, it's so important to understand your worth. And I think that's what is incredible about your story to me is double down on yourself. Right. Like, and you knew who you were, you know, what you wanted to do and you seized the opportunity to do it. You took the road that most people wouldn't. Right. And I'm sure you had an immense amount of support, but I'm sure you had people that were looking at you like, are you serious? You're doing this now, like here? And yeah. you, can't just suck that. you can't just suck it up. You can't just go suck it up and go. So like, no, I mean, that's to me, that is, you know, that's the action of a leader. And that's somebody that, you know, is going to do something incredible. That's passionate about it and is going to succeed because look, it takes those risks. And yeah, John, we see that we know it. It takes risks like, you know, Amazing things don't just happen you know, by themselves and they don't always happen in these neat boxes, but. And even yeah. when you do put yourself all the way out there, you know, in, you know, Brittany, you mentioned this, you know, you're like, it, it doesn't matter if I fail or, or I succeed. I mean, obviously you want to succeed, but at least you put yourself out there. And then, you know, it's, it's those, and there's some, there's like 19 cliche things I could say right now, but like, you know, I, I probably seen on a dentist wall someplace, but like, it's, you know, I'm not even going to go there, but like there's, if you don't do, if you don't put yourself out there, you're, there's, there's no room for success, right? There's no personal growth unless, you know, and you learn from failures, you know, all these ventures and things you try that don't work, you know, next time it's going to work or you're going to, you're going to tweak it a little bit differently. Um, so I have a real- question. Oh no, go ahead. I was just going to add to that real quick. You know, we're talking about, okay, when Brittany was starting the business, she has this, you know, this fear and this anxiety of this and and similar to y'all. Three years later, that anxiety doesn't go away. It's just different. And so, you know, like I've recently um, been meeting with a life coach because that's the thing. I feel like when you're in a high achieving spot, a leadership position, entrepreneurial, whatever it be, um, you've got to always work on yourself and that those, you know, Mateo, to your point, the self-doubts will come in, um, the darkness, the fog, it, it is real and you can have a lot of good months, a lot of good weeks, but it's going to come back. And I feel like that's very natural. And one thing I had to like swallow was like, it's not weak of me to search for someone who can help me continue to be better. And so, you know, with this live coach that I have, like she's helping me work through just so many different things. And it's not, 
you know, a weakness to me because she, she all she's going to do is elevate me and I'm going to continue to do more and do better. And so, again, like it's not something that's just just when you start the business that you have to deal with or just when you get a new position. Um, like this is a continuous thing that you always have to do and work on and keep yourself up and elevated and high, you know, um, so you're not looking down. 100%. A true story. Like, and, you know, I think for all those that are listening, you know, to the podcast, you know, like, think about, you know, where you're at and what you're doing. And and it's it's cool. It's okay. You know, like, you know, if, man, this is hard. Like, putting yourselves out there is hard. And it's, you know, I, you know, in the, in what what we see on the front and what we put ourselves on social and on our websites and in our business is is just like one aspect of our lives and that's the other like like we all have lives behind the scenes that are that are delicate and are emotional and they're deep and they're or they're thin um and in what you see on in what i put out on social may not may or may not be 100% how i'm feeling all the time um and so i think you know understanding that you know face value is just face value. And then there's a lot more behind that. Um, and I'm kind of going on a weird tangent, but you well, know, I think it'd be for me and it goes in line with the question that I was going to ask you before. I mean, this is the next step in your journey um, as, as a leader, right. And as you know, someone that now you have full control of kind of the direction and in, in how you uh, get to build this entity that is yours and has your fingerprints all over it. And that's really where I was going to go kind of with it. I just talked to us about like, what surprised you the most, right? Like it's one thing to think about being the boss, but like being the boss and like being able to say, well now, oh, I can now implement that change or, oh yeah, you know what? Now we can do these things. Um, how, how has that experience and that transition been for you? And I know it hasn't been a long, long time, but it seems like it's, uh, it's had an impact already. Yeah, um, I want so one of my core values is freedom. Uh, has it's just a personal value, and so it has come very naturally to me. Um, and I've been excited that I don't have to ask anybody else what they think and this and that. Um, the the hardest thing has been the self motivation, though, um, because you've you always I don't want to say always have to be on because that's not what I believe, but you you are always in that in that spotlight and if you've got you know owners and guests and you're building a team like you're now their support system and somewhere in there you've got to take care of yourself um and so that's the hardest part is when you when you are in a leadership or you know at the top level um of that is you know it's kind of like the whole reverse pyramid thing you know like the the leaders at the bottom um, at the pointy end and the, and the pyramid, the top base is at the top, which is everybody else. And so you're carrying that weight on your shoulders of everybody else. And so it's hard because you got to keep them going and you're tired, you're exhausted. Um, and as freeing and awesome as it is to make all the decisions, it is so nice sometimes when somebody else makes the decision. Like when I do get to come home and eat dinner and my husband asked me what I want for dinner. I'm like, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to make that decision. And it seems so small, but I've made 5,000 decisions a day. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, it's, again, it's just, you got to like work on yourself with that and help yourself. Cause it can, that weight can definitely get overbearing. Um, you can start getting, not motivated anymore and why am I doing this and this is just too much but you got to like you know you got to keep filling the 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 water on the flower like you got to keep growing you got to keep you know putting into yourself well and not only put into yourself like like to expand on that like you you keep putting yourself out there you know you were let, let's talk a little bit about your involvement with uh, favor right you know you're which to those that don't know formerly known as Florida fill in the blank, uh, Alliance of Vacational Managers. Is that right? Yeah. So it was, um, it was Florida Verma. And then, um, to help separate, um, the associations because everyone thought we were just a leg of the national Verma. Um, so a couple of years ago, um, we made the decision to rebrand. So now it's favor, which is the Florida Alliance for Vacation Rentals, completely separate association, um, from any other associations in the industry. 
what was your involvement and in, you're still involved with Faber, but like what, it, what, like you just are done with a presidency? Is that like, really talk about this a little bit. Like, uh, yeah. So I guess it was around, it was actually right before I had left Gibson. I was at Gibson, um, uh, when I had gotten the position. So I was president of the Northwest Florida chapter of Faber. Okay. And so um, I did that for a couple of years. And then, of course, as we all know, the business um, Breathe Easy has been growing. And so I just stepped down from that at the end of last year um, and said, you know, hey, I'll be involved. But again, I have to make so many other decisions elsewhere. I'd let I'd love for somebody else to make these decisions and and just be a team player uh, kind of situation. So that's where we're in now. Um, that Miss Louisa Baldock with Sully Beachfront has taken over the um, this chapter, but I'm still, you know, over the past few years, had made all these different connections uh, in the in the local area and stuff. So still very involved with that in in that networking. So what? I, I love that. What for those that don't know that those that are you know most know who who favor what favor is, but you know it's probably the as far as you know independent state you know uh, associations for vocational. It's the largest um, out of any state, and and it's the most organized from from what I've seen from a, from afar from the outside. What are your big you know annually? What what are you trying to do and promote? Um, what, what are the big like you know, things that you're trying to do with favor? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the two biggest things that pop out for me is just first off advocacy, you know, at the government level. So we did go in January or February up to Tallahassee, um, you know, met with several important people. We split into groups. We all talked about um, just educating them on what vacation rentals were. As normal, the first question we get is, oh, so y'all are Airbnb? And then yeah. Our first response is, no, we are not. Um, and so that was just cool, you know, just just basic education and and helping them. Like, I was so passionate. I love Tallahassee today uh, about being able to go in there and tell people how, you know, um, local government um, overreach could affect my small business. And I put my life savings and I didn't get paid for several months, you know, to start this business. And if this if this government overreach comes in, I can lose it. You know, it can make it really difficult. And so, you know, um, being able to communicate that to people who can make big decisions is really um, important. So, you know, overall, again, just advocacy around the state um, is super big with Faber. And then the other part of it, which we, you know, really worked hard to build over the past couple of years was just local networking, um, because, of course, advocacy also starts at the local level uh, as much as I do not like politics. It is reality. And so getting local managers and operators together and having conversations and, um, you know, if we can all be better neighbors and work together, obviously the world will be a much better place than us all just out there doing random things on our own train tracks. Uh, it's a hundred percent. Like I'm doing, the, you know, I do advocacy work like here in Atlanta. Right. And it, it's always been interesting to me that we're just now getting to the approach of partnership, right? And like I'm a I like I'm a partnership guy, right? Like, and so really embracing from an advocacy standpoint, right? Like, especially the professionals, right? That who do it right and who do care about the communities in which they operate, in which they live, in which they work, and the people who are in that. And like really building a partnership type relationship with city government to show that we can coexist like it's baffling to me that like even in florida like which is a vacation rental you know mecca right like you still have to explain vacation rentals to certain people and that they're talking about airbnbs and like you're you're on our beach like and <laughs> that's not a huge market for that so like anyway um it's so much more but i think that advocacy point is so important uh, I think Favor does a really good job, um, and the importance of that is, you know, at the core, it's the people, right? And you know, being able to build and and create communities that make sense, right? That allow our businesses to work and thrive and employ and make our communities better and stronger, and you know, also being reasonable and you know, understanding the impacts that our businesses have on those communities and how. You know, we can work in partnership to, you know, again, altruistically live together, live and work together, which we all want to do. So, absolutely. And, um, you know, to add to that, like, you know, I, one other thing that I got rolled into is that Walton County, Florida, um, was coming up with some SCR 
ordinance and it did not directly impact me. I only had one home that would have been impacted by it or is impacted by it. Um, but I was very passionate, like hopped on it, like white on rice. And I was like, oh no, you know, because again, just government overreach, you give somebody an inch, they take a mile kind of thing. And I just went into it so extremely just heartfelt, long run, passionately. And it was such a cool stance to take because when I could go up in front of the commissioners and be like, this ordinance does not directly impact me, but I am focused on the future and where this takes it and being able to take other property managers and tell them that, you know, um, I just think that's such a really cool way of just getting people together is it's you can't go up there and be like, oh, she's just worried about the money and she's just worried about her own business because that's not what it was about. And the other side of it that, again, I didn't do with intent was that the connections I made, like commissioners know who I am now because I was up there for every BTC meeting. <laughs> um, so the commissioners, they know who I am. People in the community know who I am. Again, didn't do it with intent, but that is networking. That helps my personal brand of Brittany Blackman that, of course, then flows to Breathe Easy Rentals. So for anybody out there, you know, with a rental company looking to start one or have one, like being involved, even if it's just a little bit, I mean, it can really do a lot of cool things for your business and get your name out there. And that's all it. Yes, it's volunteer time and work, but that is free advertisement for your name and your brand. And we t love, it, love it. We talk about this all the time, too. But I think in, from an advocacy standpoint, it's so important to get involved, like, you know, even before something happens to show the communities that you are a trusted resource in the SDR world. And if they don't know who, what the SDR world is and they want to get an education, you're that resource for them before shit hits the fan, because at some point it's going to hit the fan. And, and if you've built those relationships and you're the trusted resource in you know every community, everyone that's listening, you're in you're in a in a whether you're in a vacation rental community or you're in just a some sort of metropolis or any place that there's STR, shit's gonna hit the fan. Someone's gonna have a stick up their ass and they're gonna come down and they're gonna they're gonna complain and then next thing you know there's gonna be something on the docket and you're gonna have to come and show up. And if you've already been showing up and you've already been that trusted resource. It's, it's not going to be easy. I don't want to say it's going to be easy, but, but the, the, that foundation has already been started. Like you're, you're part of it and you can, you can mobilize quicker and more effectively as opposed to like, like running around last minute trying to go ahead and get resources together. Like this is so, so, so important. Every community. Absolutely. Um, let's talk. I, I want to go back to Breathe Easy here and talk about you, you've you've almost three years now. You've you've been you know you're up to twenty five properties. I I I know you. You're like oh, I'm 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 happy at twenty five. You're gonna grow bigger, and I love it. Um, but I want to know. There's two questions I want to know. What what's the thing that surprised you the most that you're most proud of? We'll start. You know, well here you can come in whatever order you want. All right. What's the thing you're most surprised at? Like you're the most proud of that what's happened the past three years. And what has been your biggest, what the fuck did I, why did I do that? Like, I want to know, like, what's your biggest F up? And like, you're like, holy shit, why did I go that way? But I want to know also the thing that surprised you the most. That's like amazing. Okay. So I've got the quickest answer for the surprise you the most. Um, and that was when I left, I did do everything by the book. I was very conscientious about leaving, knowing that I was staying in the market, starting my own company. So I did do everything legally and correctly. Um, but the coolest thing was that over the past couple of years, um, my owners from the other company have realized that I'm gone. Um, they have found ways to reach out to me and, even as they have turned in their termination notices and been offered significantly less commission rates, they're still coming to me. So I'm, I'm charging a higher commission rate and they will still, the, the, several of them have still said yes. And so, you know, face value, you're like, oh, cool. You know, but that if they're willing to leave table or money on the table because they trust me and just know that I'm 
what I'm focused on is quality experience and, and quality property care. Um, that to me is just cool. I, you can't pay for that. You can't write that on a postcard. It's the value. They're not leaving money on the table, right? Like it's just, you know, they're leaving money like on like written money on the table, but they're getting more in return. Like ROI is way better for them coming with someone that they trust and they know it's going to deliver that experience. So truly they're not leaving any money on the table. And that's, and that's a testament to you, right? Like that's got to feel good. I mean, you could pat yourself on the back for that one. Like, <laughs> you, you know, take that win. <laughs> Definitely take that Keep win. So. That win. I love that. Oh, well, oh, it was, it was a hard one as well. Cause I'm not normally brackful. Um, but that was just like, man, this is, this is cool. And exactly to what you said, I'm like, this is the brand I've built. I've been very conscientious about that from day one. What is my brand promise? What am I out there telling people? Like, what is Breathe Easy in the Destin market where there's a thousand different managers? You know, what what sets us apart? And so that right there um, is what sets me apart, that people are going to be willing to pay higher because they know what they're going to get out of me. And I'm totally fine with that. Um I'd rather be yeah, that because yeah. that's that's not it. I think you you're underestimating. Like I, I mean, I think most of our industry knows kind of the weight of like that market. Like it's no small feat uh, at all in a heavily saturated market. So, talk to us about the market. How how are, how are how are things down that way? What are, what are we running into next week? <laughs> one second, one second though. We let's let's not forget part two. <laughs> uh, the biggest f up. Um, I would say it's like a culmination of things. Um, the biggest struggle that I have had is, and and because I'm so passionate, um, is allowing other people to help me, mm-hmm. and then not watching over their shoulder. So you can delegate, but if you're still delegating. And then watching over them, the whole delegation is just ridiculous. So, um, so that's been very difficult because when I was small, when I just had six properties, I did everything. I knew where everything was at. You know, you asked me where a frying pan was and I could tell you exactly what was in each property. Like, I mean, I knew everything and uh, as you grow, that changes. Um, and so, you know, I, I don't get my reach on everything and that's been hard to swallow is, um, I am a perfectionist. My accuracy, um, level is unreal unmatched like I I am that psychotic person um where I go in and make sure that every coffee mug handle is pointed the exact way so when you open the cabinet door you can just pull the coffee mug out by the coffee handle like I'm that OCD um and I have had to uh, like swallow that as I you know have built a team not everybody else is going to do that and that's okay you know I can either go back behind them and do it if I'm really that worried or you know coach them on it or just let it go um and so again that's been the hardest part you know I remember like our first four-star review came in and it was hilarious because, well, it's not really hilarious, but um, there was hair on the ceiling in the bathroom. And so, of course, we're all like, how in the, this hair get on the ceiling in the bathroom? So I don't know if a girl like had flipped her head upside down. It was maybe like blow drying it and maybe her hair <laughs> suction to the ceiling. I don't know. Maybe they were doing crazy things. I don't want to know. Um, but even something like that, you know, I was like, I was so mortified. I was so upset that she had left this four-star review. I, you know, working my ass off over here. And then I got this review. But then I was like, it's okay. You know, like we cleaned it up, obviously. Um, we don't let it happen again. I definitely make sure to check the ceiling in there every time now. Um, but, you know, just being able to let go and say, it's okay that not everything is going to be perfect 100% of the time. That is very, very hard for me uh, to accept. I really do struggle with it on a daily basis, um, but it's okay. And that's the, that's part of this industry. It's crazy. It is insane. It It does not matter how much you control. Stupid shit is going to happen. Um, and with my life coach, like that was one of my biggest struggles that I was really having a lot of anxiety with. Um, I mean, I remember like freaking out the one day because I couldn't get home for a meeting because there was a palm tree in the road. And she's like laughing at me as I'm telling her the story. She's like, that's amazing. There's a palm tree in the road only in Florida. And I'm like, I'm angry over here. And she's like, that tree myself. Right? That's right. Dang it. 
And yeah. she's like, Brittany, like control what you can and let go of what you can't. Maybe you were meant to be stuck there. So you didn't get in a wreck a mile up the road, whatever it is. And so just having to swallow that, of that's my mantra this year is control what you can, let go of what you can't, um, and just, just roll with the punches. Again, it's okay if everything's not perfect. Um, and that's just this industry. You try your best, you do what you can. Yeah. You're not gonna make everybody happy. So. Love it. I love it. The, uh, so I, I want to get to Mateo's question, but I also want to talk about like one of the other things that you do amazing in best in the game of all of all the swag I've ever gotten, the best pen I've ever got. And I don't know if those of <laughs> you can watching it, you know, is a breathe easy pen that her swag game is on point. It writes well. It the it doesn't like I've had so many shitty pens. I've given so many shitty pens out from companies I work for. Truly, I don't know where she gets these pens, but if you ever get a chance to get a breathe easy pen at a favor event, get it one. <laughs> Y'all, it's all about that swag. You can't be cheap with that. Like nobody likes to go to the conferences and get a bunch of crap that you just have to take home that you don't do anything with and it goes in the garbage. Like that, that like breaks my heart if I know I've given something to someone and it's going in the garbage. Um, and so we, we try to be very useful, whether it's, you know, just branding swag as far as t-shirts, hats, uh, we have phone chargers, cooler bags. Um, you know, I've done some really cool stuff because everything that I give should always have a purpose and a reason. It's not to just sit somewhere or go in the garbage. Same thing with our guests. They get a cooler bag. They get koozies. Um, you know, it's nothing big and fancy. It doesn't have to be big and fancy. It just needs to be with purpose. And now you're going to carry that pin around everywhere you go. It's in my it's in my bag. I try like I will show you this pen to go when I see it. you next week. You will see this. It's in my because it's got that it's got that crisscross like little yeah you know. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm coming to get one next week. Okay, good. You better bring a couple with you. I know. Oh well. Um. Talk, talk to us about the market. Talk to us about the the market that you're in. What do you see changing? What What is different this year than it's been, you know, I, we we know of, you know, what happened with COVID and, and then the influx after, like, wait, where are we at? What are we seeing in the panhandle? Yeah, so uh, things are definitely slower, which seems to be the rhyme or reason across the nation from what I can hear. Um, so things are definitely slower. People are booking a lot more last minute uh, rates. Um, I would say they're, they're saying very similar to the past two years, but also there are certain properties that you're having to reduce the rates because of just oversupply. So I, I do think we did ourselves a disservice the past two years. And because you could rent a tent on the side of the street in Destin, um, for the, you know, since COVID, um, everybody bought for investment these past few years. And of course, rates, uh, rent, uh, real estate rates are out the roof. And now the demand is just slowing down. People don't want to come and pay premium dollar to sit in traffic for two hours or to go to a restaurant and wait for three. Um, you know, you've got a lot of this um, international um, travel, like the Bahamas and stuff like that, that are doing all these crazy deals. And, you know, listen, like I'm from small town in North Georgia. If people went, like, in my hometown, if you went, like, an hour or two outside of Chatsworth, Georgia, that was, like, vacation where we were from. Like, people did not get outside of their circle or their farm and love them. Um, now, I go on Facebook, and I see all these people I went to high school with and everything, and they're down in the Bahamas and the, the Caribbean and this and that and all these, like, Europe, and I'm like, what on earth? Like you guys got outside of your farm, like in your circle, like what's going on? And I mean, it's just so crazy, but that's because that's such affordable now. All these other countries that have been shut down and even states, you know, they're running these great deals. They want the tourism back. And so when you have markets like ours that are oversaturated and, and over tourism, uh, you know, people are going to go pay the same price or less to go to an island where it's not jam packed and they don't have to sit on roads, you know, and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what the real estate market does here. Um, that will definitely be very interesting to see how we roll into to next year. I think a lot of us going into 2023 thought that it was going to be like 2022. Like we were all geared up like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then somebody turned the light switch off and didn't tell us. And so we've all been scrambling. I mean, I get texts, I probably get two texts a week 
from a different property manager, somebody else. How are you doing? How are things going? What about this? What about that? Um, you know, seeing emails going out from other companies to their owners and stuff. So um, I wouldn't paint the picture as it being scary, but I call it just the ebb and flow of the industry. Right. You know, it's not jam packed and you got a lot of owners that have in and, and businesses like you've got to make that decision of what is your brand? Who are you trying to sell to? Where, where do you cut that off? And, and you got to have those conversations with your owners because you got some that's owners. A hard, that, that's a hard part yeah. there because they, you know, the owners had this, have this expectation of the past two years of like, this is how it's going to be. And in the owners that are like, that you know and that that you've built a rapport with understand that this is an ebb and flow and they understand that this is is how it is and you know and those that are are able to I wouldn't say pivot but those that are able to be more open to your suggestions of what we should and shouldn't do I mean it's better to drop the price and get someone in there I would assume ninety percent of the time and you know because you're not necessarily losing your value that you know but it, it's hard it's it's a hard thing to do and like what are, are we are we looking at like this day things, you know, that there's so many different levers you could pull to potentially get more volume through the door. And then is it a heads and beds thing or is it a, is it an experience? There's like, oh, there's so many different levers. All money's not good money. That's why you hire a professional. And I, I, I think I guarantee like you, that's, what's going to separate, you know, the, that's, what's going to separate the best in class from the people who are treading water within this space, because you have to, you know, as a property manager, any manager worth their salt is going to be, you know, communicating to their owners, everything that they need to know that's happening within that space. Now, building trust means that those owners will then listen to you too about ways to, you know, fix the issue. If, you know, this, there is an issue and there are questions like it's a two way street, it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is like, it's typically a one-way trusting relationship, right? Because the owners are always like, ah, oh, well, you know, unless you have a really great relationship with your managers. And I don't, but I don't think that's the case. I think like with the masses, right? Like I think people may like their managers, but I, I'd be interesting to know how many homeowners like really love their managers, like love them, like trust them, like, you know, um, and that's where, and that's yeah. where you, and I think that's what, and, and that's what matters to your business, right? Like it isn't just heads and beds. It's, you know, it's the trust that you have, um, you know, from your owner that they, you know, have in you to be able to do right by them and to, you know, do what, do the best that you can. That's why they hire you the professional. And so, I, and I know it's not never that easy, but I think we can do better. I think. You know, managers will have to because they'll have other people's options. And it's kind of like the Jerry Maguire, man. Like, damn, I want my agent. You didn't cry. Like, my agent didn't cry, right? Like, they're going to start looking at, oh, you actually like your agent? Oh, what? You actually like your manager? Your manager actually helped you through these things? Okay. Because they talk too. They're in forums. They, you know, they, the word spreads. And, yep. So. And that's a, you know, that's a good point. I, I don't feel like, um, I know, I know we all know this. I just don't feel like we had the conversation enough of like, everybody talks about the rates and the heads and beds. And, and I do understand that, you know, not every dollar, um, is always a good dollar, but a lot of that too falls on you being the property manager. Like if you're a professional property manager, you just signed yourself up to take care of that property. So what I can guarantee you is that when we do have those not so awesome guests that aren't allowed back, my owners don't know about it. And it's not because I'm hiding anything from them It's because it gets fixed and it gets fixed better than it was. So the next time they walk in, they have no idea. Um, I can give you a perfect example. There was one of our owners that came from a very, 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 very large management company. And one of his things up front was, oh, they rent it for two nights. It's trash. It smells like weed. There's just crap everywhere. You know, the industry is always messy. Brittany, I don't want you to rent it for two nights. Last summer, something happened. I talked to this family, um, knew who they were. It was a last minute reservation, put them in there for two nights, um, treated the property well, everything was good. And I sent that owner an email and said, hey, listen, 
I know that you normally don't like two night rentals, but here is a situation that treated everything well. Just want to let you know. And he goes, you know, Brittany, we trust you. It's totally fine. We can already tell a big difference in how the property is maintained. So now I have that trust now, not that I'm actively renting it for two nights, but if I have a two night hole, I can feel it. I don't have that stress anymore because he knows that even if something goes wrong, I'm going to take care of it. That's the difference in me and what this other property manager did is they just didn't take care of it. They just left it for the owner to experience it. Well, that's not why you're a property manager. That's not why you have a business. You're you're not just a marketing you know, entity. You're a property manager. You've got to actually take care of these properties and communicate that with the owner. Otherwise, you're not doing your job and you got to take that responsibility and quit saying, oh, we're understaffed or we're this or we're that. We all have the same problems. Uh, Every short-term rental manager across the nation is dealing with the same stuff in a different fashion. You you quit making excuses. Just do it or drop some of your inventory, whatever it needs to be. Lower your expectations of your owners and let them say, hey, this is something we can't do anymore. But but just quit making the excuses. That's not not fair for the rest of us. I mean, it's cool because I get business from it. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Hey, Brittany, thank you so much. This has been great. I love that you're on. What Do you have anything you'd like to leave our audience with on, on our way out today? Just don't stifle the next move because of fear. Uh, you said it earlier that you learned from your mistakes. So things are going to be scary. You're going to walk into the unknown. You're going to question. If you're in this industry, you probably are questioning why you're doing this at some point. Um, and just surround yourself with good people. Um, network. It's awkward. I, I went to so many conferences over the years by myself. And I'm as much as I hated it, it made me talk to people because I'm not going to awkwardly just sit at the table by myself. Um, that, so the first time because yeah. I had to, yes. Talk to this guy. Yes. Yeah. But just get out there man. fear is always going to be there, but it's, it's in your head. It fear is not a reality. I love that. Love it. So all you listening, check out Brittany Blackman. If you're down in the desk in Fort Walton beach, Panama city beach area, look up, breathe, easy rentals um we'll have a link in the you know in the show notes and on the website so you can go ahead and book directly through there uh Brittany thank you so much for for joining us we really appreciate you thank you for coming thank you for coming on and oh don't forget come see us yeah yeah oh I will be there at that bonfire oh definitely (laughs) and uh definitely yeah come check it out and uh we want the wider community to be out there we want to come and that and this this is actually going to be going out on the second day so you know if you're hearing this right now and you are the beach we went we had a bonfire last night we had a bonfire last night in in uh miramar beach but tonight when you listen to this inlet beach go there we'll we'll put a link in the uh for inlet beach as well so you can go ahead and sign up for that um so you know all right it's a celebration it's a celebration we're here to celebrate celebrate best in class thank you so much Brittany. thanks y'all This podcast is a Hospitality.fm production.